Francia Pick 6 Previews. With us each and every Wednesday, he was concentrating in the ACC, but I believe he's starting to get out west a little bit too, so we'll get into that. Brett, good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me on. You told me last week, Georgia Tech, Virginia, I believe Duke. You also have touched on Boston College. You mentioned to me Jeff Halfley. Now, he's going into year four. His first year coming off that Ohio State staff, very good. I think they went six and five. A lot of compliments. Since then, they have not seen the follow-through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it looked like 2021 was supposed to be the year. That was That's when everything was lining up. They had Phil Dracovic, their big transfer quarterback from Notre Dame. Um, he flashed a lot in 2020 and was coming back for 21 with arguably the best receiver core that Boston College ever had and with four offensive linemen that were all ACC caliber. And in 2021, it was all supposed to happen. It was supposed to click. They were supposed to break through that seven-win barrier. They haven't broken through since Matt Ryan, um, and they fell flat. And uh, so that's, it didn't work out in 2021. Jerkovic was injured. Uh, they tried to run it back this year without that offensive line, and it just didn't work at all. Um, one of the worst offensive lines in America. Uh, they lost four starters and then also lost Christian Mahogany in preseason, their best lineman. So uh, that really just sank the offense and essentially sank the program for 2022. So you fast forward again to this year, coming in 2023, Dracovic's gone. He transferred home to Pittsburgh. Um, so they're going to double down with Emmett Moorhead, a quarterback, a young, young talent there, pocket passer. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, it, it's kind of a make-or-break year for Jeff Halfley. Uh, he's, he, he has to fill both coordinator spots, so he gets a double coordinator switch. And um, he's embracing the transfer portal a bit more. But we'll see. It's really a breaking point at Boston College. I guess somewhat similar at Cal. Justin Wilcox has been there six years. He has a losing record in the league and overall. On top of that, Brett, we were just talking prior, Pac-12 right now is in a big mess. They don't know what the media contract's going to look like, probably won't be attractive. Oregon and Washington is an absolute threat to bail on them. Very few will probably want to sign a grant or rights based on the money they're going to get or the money they're not going to get in a new media deal. But you were looking at Cal outside of that big mess. Is there much of a future for Wilcox? Yeah, off the field, the Pac-12 has a ton of issues to deal with, but and, and on the field, too, for some of these programs. Uh, Cal, Stanford, Colorado, um, going through some big transitions. Uh, with Cal, it's very interesting. You look at their program history the last 10 years. It's like two distinct different eras. Um, the one with Sonny Dykes and Jake Spavadol was all offense. I mean, they were scoring 40 points a game, giving up 40 points a game. It was like the old Big 12. And then they hired Justin Wilcox, the, kind of the opposite hire, who's all defense. He tried to bring the Iowa-Wisconsin model out to Cal and really doubled down on his defense every year. Uh, built some above average and occasionally elite defenses, but um, over his tenure, the second worst offense in Power 5 uh, on average. So um, you can imagine how that looks. So what's interesting going into 2023 is kind of the merging, the meshing of both eras because he's, he's bringing back in Jake Spavadol, the, the, the offensive coordinator that put up a ton of points in the prior regime. So you're going to try and pair that, that solid Wilcox defense with 
hopefully for them, a more high-scoring and, and air raid and you know pass-heavy offense to, to pair with it. So I think I, and especially Cal fans, are very intrigued to see the two eras mesh. Um, they're going to have to start over at, at quarterback. They're bringing in Sam Jackson, a transfer from, from TCU, um, an athletic guy. Um, you know, good receivers to throw to. Um, Jaden Ott, a great freshman running back. But just like Boston College, their problems in the trenches. The 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 Cal offensive line really held them back. So that's going to be uh, really the the decision point there. Is can they fix that offensive line overnight? Good question. Couple of them. One from Georgia Dog. One from Tom. Georgia Dog on the Emerald Coast. Ask Brett which new teams can challenge the upper tier of their new league. Texas or Oklahoma in the SEC or Southern Cal in the Big Ten? Oof. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'd, I'd probably go with USC right now. Um, I know it's still one more season, but the way that Lincoln Riley has proven he can uh, acquire talent, um, especially through the portal overnight, I think that uh, he's going to continue to build great offenses. You saw what he did every single year at Oklahoma, building elite offenses, Heisman candidates, Heisman winners. He did it overnight at USC. Um, so I think they're going to come in and contend. Uh, now with Oklahoma and Texas, I think it's a taller task just because the SEC is a lot deeper at the top. Um, Big Ten, yeah, you got Ohio State and Michigan, maybe a Penn State, maybe a Wisconsin and Iowa, but um, that's that's more winnable as a league, I think, overall. There's not, it's not as deep at the top. The SEC, I mean, that SEC West is loaded. Georgia's the, the current dynasty right now, if you call it that. Uh, Tennessee's back. Florida, I'm sure, will be back soon. So Oklahoma and Texas, they have their work cut out for them. Another one, this is Tom in Myrtle Beach. Says, Brett, when you do your conference-by-conference analysis, your research, do you include Notre Dame and the ACC, a league of some sort, or do you study them as an independent? Um, Yeah, it's interesting. I I study them as an independent. I I throw them towards the end of the summer just because I want to get them as fresh as possible, get as much info on them. I know that's a a huge fan base, a historic program. Um, I put them at the back so I can get all the – you know, I, I review everybody, too, late in the summer, but I, I want to get them as much info as possible. So look for them around May or June. Um, now, they used to be joined by BYU, but BYU hopping into the Big 12 with a couple new faces. Uh, this year will be adding Houston, um, adding UCF, and Cincinnati. So the Power 5 number goes from 65 up to 69 this year. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to dig into those new programs. Notre Dame at the end of the summer. Um what else? Yeah, right now I'm kind of hopping around. Um, I, I used to go full conference by conference, but uh, I'm just looking for places that have coaching changes right now, some coordinator changes, just to get the ball rolling a little bit because we're still pre-spring. Uh, i, I got to get the spring ball, got to get my coach calls in. But for now, anything I can get my hands on, I'm, I'm starting to, to take a look at. Topwater assassin over in South Carolina is a big Clemson fan. Wants to know, Brett, since you're talking ACC, now that we've changed the schedule, he asks, is Notre Dame going to play every ACC team every two years like everybody else? Uh, that's a great question. I'm not sure about how Notre Dame's schedule is going to work. I will look into that. That's interesting. Um, they play I mean, five I games guess... in 24. I know that. They play six games next, you know, this coming year, 23. I don't know if that changes. I don't know, though, either. I haven't thought about it. Yeah, I haven't considered either. I don't think, at face value, I don't think it would change much because they weren't tied to a division regardless. They weren't Atlantic or Coastal, or it wasn't even weighed heavily one way or the other. I think it was just random. 
Um, so I don't think it would change much, but um, it will change a lot for some of these conference teams, uh, these division teams like a, like an NC State or a Boston College or a Wake Forest who every year was stuck playing the big ones, Clemson and Florida State. Uh, now you open that up, you might drop off some of those and pick up some struggling coastal teams. So And vice versa, some of those coastal teams – that we're avoiding the big ones, Clemson and Florida State, they only might draw both of them. So there's going to be a lot more at play when I look at, uh, at the conference standings and predictions this year because that there's no more crossover divisions. There's no, you know, the schedule is a lot more unbalanced. So uh, you could have two teams that look the same on paper, but based off schedule you can put one way higher because they have an easier road. So that will be a fun exercise once they get through the, the research. Brett Ciancia, pick six previews. Brett, I know you spent a lot of your time obviously studying the teams coming up, the leagues, et cetera, the P5. But Friday, this past Friday, the AD at Florida State, and we've spent a lot of time on that here on this show, had a meeting with his board of trust and said we cannot continue with this media agreement we have, which goes through 2036, pays them 35 to 40 million a year, which is not a lot compared to what the Big Ten's about to get with their new deal that starts coming up with football this year, and also what the SEC is going to be getting. And I thought it was a pretty significant shot at the ACC front office. I don't know what they can do; they're kind of stuck with it. But there's not just a threat in the Pac-12, but Florida State, and I think maybe even Clemson, if they ever got a call from the SEC, I think they're gone. Yeah, Florida State, um, you know, they, they have a big enough brand. They have all their history there, a uh, big enough fan base. They're, you know, I don't want to say they can call the shots, but they're such a big brand that um, they're going to get the discussion started, at least in the ACC, kind of a wake-up call for the front office, I'm sure. Um, because if they hop out, I'm sure that Clemson would join. I mean, because they probably would get comparable packages and come in as a package together, a two-team package. So, um, yeah, it's uh, when you look at the numbers between the conferences, um, it's the ACC is really falling behind. Um, I think the stat was that Florida State provides 15% of the conference's value, only gets paid out 7%, right? So they're they're getting paid out less than half of what they they think they're providing. And uh, I'm sure at the other end of the spectrum is teams like Boston College, Wake Forest, some of the smaller ones that are reaping the benefits, getting twice as much value as they provide. So, um, yeah, we'll see if they go with some kind of unbalanced revenue model um, or if they say, you know, you're, you're stuck getting equal payout like all of us, and, and that might entice them to leave. So very delicate situation when all the dominoes are falling here in, in uh, conference realignment. But Florida State making some good points, I think. Jim Phillips is the commissioner there, came from Northwestern. Now, think about his office. He's hearing from Florida State, knows that if they got a call, they'd probably leave. You've got a big grant of rights payout. That's a big problem. And you have an exit fee, which is $120 million. So it costs several hundred million for them to get out, which is a huge problem. Florida State is suggesting, as you mentioned, an unbalanced revenue distribution new plan. But if you're the rest of the league, I saw a list. Duke was at the very bottom. When it came to what they bring to the table overall, Duke was at the very bottom. Duke, you mentioned Boston College, other schools. What are they going to say if you 
bring up, hey, we're going to start paying Florida State 50 and we're going to pay you 20. Well, I guess the alternative would be, uh, you, you know, if you don't go that way, you might force Florida State out. Then the overall conference suffers. The overall conference Even is going to make less, and then each school makes less. So it's really delicate there. It's tough. Um, I think that this is similar to what started the, the, the big dominoes of 2009 and 2010 from the Big 12, when I think it was Texas. They, they kind of demanded a little bit unequal payout. They were saying, hey, we want our own TV channel. We want to make more. We're the bigger brand. And um, it, it, it didn't drive out the lower teams. You know, it didn't drive out a, an Iowa State or a Kansas. It drove out the, the big ones, Nebraska and Colorado and A&M. So I wonder if we're thinking of this. I don't think that a team like Boston College has much leverage. But I wonder if there are other, you know, big, big or medium teams like a Miami or Virginia Tech that might flee because uh, they see the writing on the wall. So I don't know. You never know where the next change is going to happen. It's interesting. Yeah, Texas got the uh, Longhorn Network, which will go away here. But that that was one of the olive branches they let them have. Obviously, they don't share that money. It's $15 million a year for, I think it was a 20-year deal. And that thing has been a disaster. Nobody watches that. Have you ever watched the Longhorn Network much at all? <laughs> Very rarely. I mean, uh, the spring game, I catch that. Um, I think one or two games are broadcast there per year. I did watch the uh, Texas USC rerun. They they love playing that nonstop over on that channel. So um, the, the the old 2005 Rose Bowl, but no, not much. Brett, tell everybody how they can get their hands on your content. Yeah, thanks. It's um, PickSixPreviews.com. That's the annual season preview book coming out every July. Uh, well underway on the 2023 edition. But until then, at Pick 6 Previews on Twitter. Good stuff, man. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Bill. There he is. Does a wonderful job. Brett Ciancia. Pick-